Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you haven't heard my initial interview with Michael McNeely, just go back a few episodes and um, go ahead and check out that interview. It's it's really good, and I don't think either of us struggled with things to talk about. There was a lot of really good information in the episode, uh, so be sure to check that out. But there was so much that we decided to do a second episode and talk about his experiences within the IFB, so I'm excited to have him on. Uh, before we do that, I do just want to remind you guys that there is a Facebook group uh, connected to to the Preacher Boys podcast. So if you're not in the Preacher Boys official discussion group on Facebook, you're missing out on a lot of really good conversations that I think are helpful to a lot of people. So be sure to check that out, jump in, and I look forward to seeing you guys there. Michael, thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, let's jump into the discussion. So, Hey, thanks for having me back again, Eric. Uh, hopefully uh, it'll be as good as the first one. Yeah, hopefully. So what's been the feedback of the first one? Because I know I've gotten a ton of really good feedback in the Facebook group um, through my DMs and stuff. Have you heard any feedback from the episode specifically? Or I've heard a lot of good feedback. Uh, I, I got a lot of um, neutral, maybe, is is the better way of, of, huh. of putting it with some people where they're still big time in the IFB movement. Um but they also recognize that there are issues in the IFB movement. Right. Um, and I, that, that was a blessing to hear from, you know, those people. Um, I didn't really get a whole heck of a lot of negative. I got a few people that, you know, wa- yeah. wanted to say their piece or, you know, uh, uh, try and debate it. But for the most part, hopefully it was good, uh, thought provoking because that's what it was meant to be. Right. The, the one thing I would say um, you know, when, when people, when people disagree or, or want to debate you and you in the midst of a discussion, they run out of, you know, their talking points, shall we call them, Right. they always resort to attacking the character. Mm. And that's when 
I've, I've, I, you can look at any, you know, societal issue or anything that's going on. Once a person starts, you know, losing the battle, they always have to go after the character, right? Oh, well, right. he's divorced, so don't listen to him. And that's a big IFB um, yeah. issue. Right. Um, well, don't listen to them because, um, you know, he's a divorced man or he did, you know, something that, uh, you know, we disagree with. Exactly. Right. And it's like, well, but is he wrong on the right. content of what he's saying? Um, and I would say that, you know, for those, for those that disagree, well, let's discuss where we disagree in those, right. in those areas uh, and not attack characters. Well, I mean, man, I just had this. It's funny you're bringing this up because I had just brought, I had just uh, showed this to a couple of people, but I had posted a video just yesterday and the initial response to my video. So the video was basically talking about, um, and maybe I'll just slip in an audio clip or something here to talk about it. But the video was basically talking about like how to deal with the emotional impact on me of listening to traumatic stories on a constant basis. Cause people are asking like, you know, how are you taking care of yourself? processing all of these stories. That's been a common question. So I did a video about that and I got a response from a pastor saying, is there a support group for men of God targeted by a rabid pack of deranged feminists and sodomites who project their imaginary spiritual PTSD on complete strangers? So the, the response was not engaging with, you know, child abuse in the church. It wasn't engaging with, um, you know, any of the topics I'm covering, it was going after like, I guess if I've, I don't even know if I have guests that would consider themselves feminists. I don't think that word's ever been said on the show, <laughs> but, but even so like, and then, you know, I've had a couple people that have attacked over, like I've had guests on who are trans or, or gay. And it's like, does that discredit everything that they say about anything? <laughs> if they, if they said, you know, something positive, would you still disagree? So that was a, a big response, um, that I got. And then there was another video, um, and it's kind of relevant to this too, Uh, There was another video I just saw with a group of three pastors and they were talking about people having a, they set a burr under their saddle um, as far as like feeling that they were hurt or things like that. And they really brushed, they very quickly brushed past sexual abuse. And I think it's because they know that that's a bigger issue than they want to let on, but they went straight to like the idea of spiritual abuse, not really being a thing that they've seen. He said, I've been in ministry for like 20 years. I've never seen it. And, um, the one crazy, and, and this blew my mind last night. So that's why I'm, it's fresh in my mind. Um, so we talk about the Catholic church all the time and the issue of abuse. We talk about, you know, it's systemic abuse in the Catholic church. I don't know how many times I've heard pastors talk about the Catholic church and abuse. And so the pastor on this podcast said, you know, Hey, you know, the Catholic church absolutely should be shut down systemic abuse. We know that. And then he said, you know, the IFB, I try to find 30 cases, maybe 50 cases, 150 cases. He's like, if you found 300 cases, that's 5% of the IFB. That's still not a, a systemic uh, number of abuse. Let me just real quickly before we move to the last particular area that they seem to be screaming about. They say that independent Baptist churches in the area of abuse have systemic problems. Okay, now... If you study, if you study, uh, you know the, the geographical uh, evidence or, or how many churches we have, say just in America, mm-hmm. somewhere between three thousand thirty five hundred. I believe last episode I tagged it at thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. but for numbers' sake, I would say let's just say use three thousand. Nice round number, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. 
can you, for these people that are screaming a systemic problem in the independent fundamental Baptist churches, can you name 30 pastors and churches in scandal? Mm, Okay. If you can, you have named 1% of who we are. Right. Hang on a second now. Okay. Say it again. If you can name 30 pastors and churches in scandal, abuse scandal, whether it be sexual, physical, whatever the case may be, Mm -hmm. you have successfully named that we have a 1% issue among independent (laughs) fundamental Baptist churches. Now... To get to 5%, you now have to name 150 pastors or independent Baptist churches in scandal. Wow. And even at 5%, it's not systemic. Mm-hmm. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, buddy. And so what we've got here is you've got guys blowing a horn for no reason at all. Not that you shouldn't point out the egregiousness of some of the areas. Right. Of the oh, yeah. Fine. Let's deal with it. We'll be on your side. We'll be yeah. blowing the horn with you. Mm-hmm. But, but the, problem, the, the problem is not... Systemic, no. And, and look, I understand. The, I understand the call to shut down the Catholic Church. It's a political machine from the top down. Yeah, buddy. it is absolutely infiltrated mm-hmm. with decades and decades. Absolutely. And it's, we're not talking about ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty. We're talking about parishes around the country. We're talking about them having to pay tens money. of thousands, tens of, of thousands. Now that oh, absolutely is systemic. a systemic problem. Yes, all right. So I had a guest on last night who's actually a former IFB pastor. And he said, well, if you look at the stats, so like in the, in the studies in the Catholic church, 4% of priests are known abusers. He said, if you look at the IFB and he said, I know, he said, I could name and write out if I took time, 150 abusers. And I said, like on my site, I have 150, I've got about 150 more to add. So there's about 300. I said, that's 5%. So the Catholic church, if 4% of priests are abusers, the IFB 5%. So statistically, in response to him, you're more likely to be abused in an IFB church than a Catholic church. And when he said that, I didn't hear anything for the last like five or 10 minutes of the interview because I was just in my mind like, that can't be right. Like, and the minute I got my car like leaving, I started like writing. And I was like, he's right. Like, that's it's just crazy the amount of branding that's been done against the Catholic church. And I'm not saying the Catholic church is a positive thing, their experiences with that stuff, but. I will say, like, it's amazing that people accuse those who speak out of, like, trying to tear apart the church when the numbers do back up the information that's being shared. Like, to say someone's bitter, like, I'm sure you've gotten that response, like, well, you sound bitter. Oh, yes. You know, it's it's wild to me because if it was any other organization, IFB preachers would get up and say, see, that's why you don't go to these churches. That's why you don't do this kind of stuff. Well, isn't it isn't it a microcosm of where we're at in society? And I think I alluded to this in the last podcast of of the fact that the problem we're having in society is that we're not listening mm, to what no. the other people what what the however we want to categorize these different groups of people. Yeah. But we are so dismissive. And and I did a video on my private Facebook page yesterday, and it was a plea to white conservative Christians, mm. you know, with the pandemic or um, the uh, things that are going on with, with uh, you know, minorities. And it's just another group of people right. that want to be heard mm. and want justice and are saying that these things are going on. But we, because it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us, you know, have to look in the mirror and do some soul searching, God forbid. Mm. Um, The same people that want to get use the fancy words of, you know, if we don't learn from history, history is bound to repeat itself. Well, here we are repeating ourselves again. 
you know, how many, how many, how often do we have to have these riots for people right. to listen? Set aside your stigmas, set aside what you uh, perceive of any group of people that has been misused, abused, mm-hmm. whatever we want to call it, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's minorities, whether whatever, you know, um, that that's that's my plea to conservative Christians is if you want to, as you say, make America great again, it's it's like a marriage relationship. We mm-hmm. have to compromise. Right. Because both sides have very valid points. Right. Just because we don't agree with someone's point doesn't mean they're wrong. And here's the big problem with IFB. And I've noticed this and I've said this a countless number of times to people. We were raised to believe that different was wrong. Mm, yeah. yeah. If somebody believes differently, they're wrong. If somebody dresses differently, they're wrong. If somebody has a guitar on stage, they're wrong. If it's different than what, you know, the man of God says in this pulpit, it's wrong. No, it's not wrong. It's just different. Right. And that's, but we go through life now, look at all the people that have come from, you know, these even evangelical churches, um, but more importantly, the IFB churches who are now closed-minded. I'm right. You're wrong. You just need, you know, and, and then, and then we're going to throw the God thing in there to kind of cover our, our, our hind end. And, you know, it's like the straw man theory, isn't it? Like I'm yeah. going to invent this guy that I know and tell the story, but you can't debate the guy. Cause you can't, the guy's not there to, you know, ask, mm-hmm. is this yeah. really true? You know? And that's what they do. They throw it all under the heading of, you know, well, God loves all of his children equally and the same. And if you want him to look past your sins and iniquities, IFB people, then stop trying to cast rocks at those that are trying to be heard. And I will say this to, to, to make a point on the original, you know, thing that you said with the Catholics, I've got a lot of Catholic friends here in San Diego, some of the best people I've, Mm -hmm. I've ever known. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, I, I, I took a step back when that Pennsylvania um, uh, thing happened with the sexual abuse in Pennsylvania with the priests. I took a step back and I go, you know what? You know, because I, 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 I was going through it with my sister. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. But how does this other denomination handle sexual abuse? as parishioners, as members of it, what are the thoughts? And I remember we would sit there and I would just ask questions. How do you feel about this? What, what is your reaction? And man, without hesitation, we stand by the victims. If it was in San Diego, we would be arm in arm with the victims storming the, the, you know, Cardinal or Bishop or, you know, uh, whoever's, you know, in charge of the diocese of San Diego uh, we would be storming their office, demanding answers, demanding justice, because it's a blemish on us that this is happening. This mm. isn't real Catholicism. And I'm telling you, they had town hall type meetings at right. the Catholic churches here where, you know, cardinals were coming in high up in the Catholic church. were coming in and talking to parishioners, answering questions. And letting the voices be heard of the disgruntledness of, you know, the Catholic parish. And I'm, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, where is this in the independent yeah. fundamental Baptist world? 
Right. Why are we not? Because somehow we think that if we expose it or we allow, um, you know, this to get out, that it's going to hurt the name of God. Right. Yeah. And we've just devalued a child of God by doing that. We've sacrificed a sexual abuse victim because we, whether out of pride or whether out of, you know, we're, we're going to be embarrassed or we just don't want God's name. Well, what would God do in that situation? I guarantee you, he put his arm around that victim and he would cater to them and not the abusers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you mentioned that like, and I'm so excited that, you know, especially having grown up near San Diego, like it's encouraging to hear like at least the parish there um, has a, has a sense of control over that stuff. And, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like I just don't see that happening. And look, it's, it's, the Southern Baptist come any convention of any large size is going to have problems with abuse. Like that's, that's a conceit that you, you have to say like, that's going to happen. Human beings, enough human beings in a room, someone's a bad guy. You know what I mean? Yep. The difference is, and this is where I didn't expect to have this conversation, but we're, we're like, <laughs> like I said, we have no problem thinking of things to discuss. There's plenty to go over, <laughs> but, um, but, but you know, when I look at uh, the Southern Baptist convention or I look at, you know, the Catholic church, even, you know, there's enough, there's enough community among the different churches and enough established convention where sure. Like there was an, you know, when that, when all of that went down with the Catholic church, there was an entire like group of Catholic churches that were working together in a negative way. But there's also a ton of churches in these connected groups, like, and I'm so sorry if you're Catholic and listening that I'm not naming things correctly, um, but, but you know, there's entire parishes connected with each other that are also defending victims as well, and, and Southern Baptist Convention as well. There's a good chunk of the Southern Baptist Convention that's been incredibly complicit in protecting really dangerous guys like Paige Patterson and, and all of these different people, but there's also, because you have some kind of accountability it, when that is discovered, there's action taken to move in and address it. Not always perfect action, and there's plenty of work to be done in a lot of denominations, but there's some action done. In the IFB church, what I'm seeing is a lot of churches that stand together on issues of King James onlyism, of dress standards, of music standards, of talking bad about the Catholic church, Southern Baptist churches, um, Presbyterians, Lutherans. But when it comes to abuse, it's a million like we scatter, they scatter like cockroaches in the sense of, you know, it, it, it's we're independent. So we don't have accountability. We don't hold each other accountable in this one area. And if you're going to choose an area to stand together, can we like admit that it should be protecting women and children? Like that's literally what religion is defined as in the Bible is protecting women and defenseless children. And so it's just bizarre to me that that's the area they choose to be independent. It's, it's strange to me that, you know, I, t- I talked on the phone with, with Stacy Shiflett the other day. Um, and you know, I, I think he's very wary of what I'm doing and I, you know, I get that. But when we were talking, I was like, look, you made this huge stand against child abuse. And, you know, I want to believe that all the intent is good there, but where is everyone else? Like, why aren't other people? I said, well, I'm getting calls from pastors saying that they support what I'm doing. They just don't want to say anything publicly. And I'm like, doesn't that 
tell you something like, like, isn't it weird that you're accepting that as their response? It's bizarre to me. It's bizarre. Well, I, I will say, I will say this and you got I me fired this. up with your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my Alex that. Jones over here. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Th- this issue is, is, you know, hits home very close to me. And mm. I, I will say this, what I have learned and why I'm speaking out, um, you know, on my private Facebook page about, uh, yeah. you know, what's going on with minorities is because going through this with my sister the last couple of years, it's a passion of mine to get the voices heard of these groups of people that have been abused, that have been uh, cast aside. Because we want to, these independent fundamental Baptist pastors, and I got so many areas I, you, you, I could jump <laughs> off in that you said, right. man. But um, silence is a vote for the abuser. Let me say that loud and clear and again. Silence is a vote for the abuser. The same people that want to say, if you don't uh, come out against it, you're condoning it. If you're not saying loud and proud that, you know, this behavior in rock music is wrong, then you're condoning it. Right. Well, where is that same standard when it comes to sexual abuse in the churches? Where is that same standard? And that's the problem we're having is that, like you said, and I will take it a step further in my dealings and interactions and with, with the um, pastors, with my sister's uh, situation, they went a step further and covered it up. They're, right. they're, you know, and not, not nailing this to the wall like you do all the other sins is just as bad as a cover up. What, and let, actively covering it up. Let me just pause there because I because I'm I'm curious and you you've seen this firsthand obviously with someone who's very close to you and I and I and obvi- and you you grew up like if anybody should feel protected it should be somebody at church. If anybody should feel an extra layer of protection, it's someone whose family is on staff at a church. So I have to ask, like, what is the mind? Like, and I'm sure there's not even a good answer for this, but what do you see as the mindset that, that made it this issue that people choose to be so silent on? Why is it that they're willing to be a peculiar people about every topic, except for, Hey, we have a strong, strict stance of abuse. Like it's bizarre to me. Because because it's it's a forbidden topic. I mean, mm. you 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 aren't taught the birds and the bees for the most part until right. you know you're given a book two weeks before until your wedding. And, right. I was going to say know, until you're married. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, so um, like a, a lot of I've heard independent fundamental Baptist preachers uh, say if you use the word sex in regards to gender, it's wrong. Like sex should never come out of the mouth. Sex, you know. And so we've made it this such a forbidden fruit, coupled with the fact that, let's be honest, guys, pastors, four years of seminary doesn't equip you to handle sexual abuse situations. You have zero clue Mm -hmm. as a house. And it's not something that they can see. And this goes into the mental illness side of things and their viewpoints of mental illness, where if I can't see the broken bone in my arm, then it's something that you just need to pray away. And Mm -hmm. I get so frustrated with, you know, my family who's like, oh, well, you just, we just need to pray about this. Well, where's the action behind it? Mm, So let me ask, let me ask this, you know, and I'll go, 
you went through cancer, family member. You went through cancer. Did you pray it away or did you go to the doctor and get it, you know, chemotherapy? Oh, you went to the doctor and got chemotherapy. Well, then with mental illness, why are you so hell-bent against it? Mm. Why do you mm. make these therapists out to be witch doctors when mental illness is an illness yeah. and it's real and it's re right. and it is you want to talk about a high amount of percentage of mental illness it comes from the independent fundamental baptist because you know you're 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 told you're not allowed to you know have sex before marriage you're you know have to have matthew mark luke and john in between you uh you know but then when young people get let their bodies their natural bodies take over and they fall into the sin i'm using quotation marks uh, fall into sin, they become second race citizens. Yeah. Look at look at look at how we were taught to view women mm. in our independent fundamental Baptist church. Yeah. They they pull all of these verses out that suit them, gloss over the rest, but pull all these verses out that the man is the authority and then the man of God is the authority of the man. And you know, we have this whole hierarchy and here we are in this caste system. You got the children, the abused mm. children, the rebellious children, and the women all way down here, and their voices aren't heard. And if Man. they do try to step up, they get mocked, they get right. told that they're rebellious, they get labeled with certain things, and nobody wants that label. And so you're stuck in this environment that you're told is the norm, but it's not. And yeah. you just feel stuck. And that's when the mental illness starts, you know, happening with a lot of, of people because you just can't handle this, especially as teenagers growing up in these things. You know, you're taking young, impressionable men and telling them objectifying women, basically, is what we, you know, we're told to, you know, do. Um, I'm not going to get into, you know, any of the gory details of, of, you know, how they would describe certain things. But, you know, I remember there was a, um, uh, men's only meeting called when I was, I believe I was in college at the time. It was a men's only meeting and it was a big debate over could a husband rape uh, his wife? Mm. Is there rape inside of a marriage? And I'm just sitting there going, this is really uncomfortable and natural. But they came out and said, no, there's no such thing as that because she is basically, she's the property of her husband. Well, that, and that's like, yeah, that's oh my crazy. Goodness. And, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, but that's that's how we objectify people. And so to answer your question, they look at sexual abuse as under the category of 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 sex. And, you know, yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's bad. But we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to no. bring it up because then we're going to have to answer questions. And then we're going to have ever, all the members, you know, and, and now we're talking about sex and we can't have that happening. No. Um, and so it's like, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to like we do everything else, sweep it under the carpet. We're going to send him off to another independent fundamental Baptist church, or we're going to, you know, because we don't want a black eye on taking him down to the police department and having him arrested. Right. And then we're going to go to the people, the abuse victims and say, Hey, we can't hurt the name of God. So let's just keep this, you know, between ourselves. And I've heard that story right. multiple times. And I'm sure you have too, you know, dealing yeah. with the situation. And so I, it's, it's a topic they're not equipped to, um, handle. And it's something that actually needs some action behind it and getting them some real therapy that they don't believe in that kind of therapy. Yeah. Um, and so there's, 
th- that's that's where we start to get into all of this as to why it's just easier for them. Ignore it and act like it's not even happening. Right. Holy smokes. I should have said buckle up because we're like blasting through. But but I, I think <laughs> I think that you're um, hitting some good stuff. Like and, and one of the things you've kind of hinted at is the idea of like, um, oh, man, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, man, we're going to go into episode three of this. Uh, but uh, but um, no, I was going to say you're hinting toward the idea of there being just a you said a caste system, which I think is a really cool way to define it because it kind of sums up what it is. So you've got like your, your obviously your preachers, you know, your preacher boys, you've royalty. got your yeah royalty. You've got your, you know, the people who fall in line underneath them who are like their second in command, like given all the responsibilities with uh, none of the benefit. And then you've got, you know, the people underneath them who are like the faithful church members. Then you've got like the bus kids way at the bottom. You've got, you know, all these different things and women somewhere, next to bus kids as being low on the yep. totem pole. So I, I think one of the things like, I don't even know if we're going to get to the Mexico trip on this, but, uh, but um, <laughs> it's one of the things that you, you brought up that I thought was interesting is like, it really is when you don't welcome other perspectives to the conversation, you develop viewpoints that are way skewed. So, you know, you mentioned the minority thing, like when a bunch of white guys and, and again i i don't i don't completely subscribe to the idea that you know white people can't speak into any topic that's not connected to white people and vice versa black people can but i do think if a bunch of white people sit down and try to figure out the frustration of the african-american community it's not going to be an easy task like because you don't share the family history, the perspectives, like you have to welcome someone into the conversation who knows that experience personally. And the same for women. Like the, the reason one of the, one of the things I always talk about in the IFB movement is sexual repression and the views of women and how that is poised. Like you're creating a culture of abuse. When you say from the pulpit, women are subservient to men. Women are, you know, second class citizens, women are to only be in charge of the home, like take when they say in charge of the home, cleaning the home, you know, Mm -hmm. women are to be silent in the church. Um, Women are to be all of these different things, taking verses wildly out of context to basically make women your maid that sleeps with you, you know? And when you don't have women in the conversation, the views that when like to have a closed meeting and say, can women, you know, be raped in the home, maybe have some women in, who can talk about the experience of that happening, you know, before you talk about is abuse a problem? Like it's easy for three pastors to sit there and say, well, I haven't experienced abuse, so it's not a problem. Well, why don't you sit across from a victim and say abuse is not a problem? You know what I mean? And here's what I will say about, uh, here's what I will say about the IFB world. And I think one of the big things that fuels abuse, and I've mentioned it before, You've got the teaching of, of what women are, which are just, ob- they're essentially objects. They're, they're to, they're decor for the church. Basically that's, that's pretty much their role is to be seen, not heard. They hang out with, you know, the lowest of the low in the church in, in again, not every independent church, but this is kind of the majority of within that movement. When you look at guys connected to these colleges and these big churches, that's how they were viewed. That's how Jack Kyle's talked about women. That's how Jack Treber still talks about women. Bob Gray, like it's it's still happening. So then you look at guys like this. Then they're told not to talk about sex. So you've got guys getting into 
pornography, which violently objectifies women in a lot of cases. Yep. So between the mix of like fueling yourself on extremely violent images of sexual images with women, then you have a very low view of women as a person, as a human to the point where they are objects for the man when they get married, which you kind of showed by that conversation. Like no wonder there's an epidemic of rape and, (laughs) and molestation and sexual abuse within this world because you're not inviting women to the conversation. Yeah. And you feel trapped when you get caught with the, with the pornography because you can't go get help from your parents or pastor because they're going to look down on you. And now we talk about the caste system. Now you're down in the, you know, dregs of society because you're viewed that way. And now, now take, take what you just said and apply it to all the different areas, issues we're having in society right now. I mean, you brought up a great point and it's what I said yesterday in my, in my video and my plea to, you know, conservative America, you know, and Christians is we get so hung up on the what Mm. that we forget to ask the question, why we get so hung up on and until we can get to the why and discuss the why this is happening, we are not going to change. We're going to repeat history. And that was my, that's my plea to anybody is let's stop focusing. I think we can all agree what happened with the rioting and the murder is wrong. We can agree the what, but we're all focused on the what right now. We're all focused because you've got your Christian conservatives are saying, well, they're just feeding right into my stereotype of them. And then you've got this other side that says, Hey, this is, this is our voice. This is how you white people hear us. This is the only way you're going to hear, but we're not discussing the why. And it's the same with the churches that you're saying. Until we sit down and we have people who have gone through this and we start discussing the why, and this is where I fault IFB preachers who are reaching out to your friend and saying, we support you, but you know, we don't want to, why you have Mm -hmm. no problem nailing the issue of pants on women to the, to the, you know, to the wall. Why what's worse, a pants on a woman or your daughter, but until it reaches us personally, it's easy for us to be lazy and just, you know what? I'm not going to do my homework and sit well, down and talk because it's going to require me looking in that mirror and going, I was wrong. Well, I you have don't, to rethink some of these things. Right. Well, you don't see a post about racism until it comes to a riot. And then yeah. you see a post. It's it's you brought that up. And I'm, I'm, I already know there's going to be, because this is an issue we, I, I did one episode where we talked about racism in the church and I got the most like, even from people who appreciated this talk about abuse, like they were like racism, not an issue in the church. I was like, I don't know where you went to church, but, um, but yeah. you know, it, I think racism, I mean, racism is a problem everywhere and by being everywhere, it's also in the church. So I think it's fair to talk about, I didn't see it in my church as much at all. I mean, almost at all. I saw it in other churches. I saw it in, you know, with guest speakers sometimes, but it is a big issue in a lot of these churches. Um, but what I will say is this, and you, you really hit on this. It's an interesting point is that we don't worry about the conversation until it happens to us. And then we have to sit down. And again, like you said, what versus why is a huge one. Like, um, you know, again, I don't condone looting and burning things down. And like, obviously like, and, and I think the majority like would not agree with that. 
You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. here's, here's what I will say though. And, and same thing. There's people who leave the IFB who do things. I feel, I feel out of, I feel like they handle some things wrongly in the way mm-hmm. that they address the issues in the IFB, you know, people who do threaten violence, people who do all of that stuff. I, I say that is like, that's undisputably wrong. But what I will say is you, again, you have to look at why they are responding that way. The responsibility is on them for what they're doing, but um, it's funny. It was actually, this is such a, this is such a me thing. It took a, as you, as usual, it took a movie for me to understand this, but I remember I was, I was watching uh, straight out of Compton because I love, uh, well, whatever. I'll get hate for that. I love rap. (laughs) So I, so I had to watch straight out of Compton. I I like a huge rap fan. That's something that people don't know. So now you know that, Um, but it's, so I was watching the movie and they deal with the, um, with the Rodney King incident. And cause that was a big thing that happened. I mean, that was a huge mm-hmm. part of the story. And that was the, I had always heard it mentioned like the Rodney King riots. Like, like I'm, I'm 25. So I hear that thrown out and I don't have any, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't conscious of that stuff at the time, obviously. And so, you know, I, I sit there and I would always hear it thrown out, but then watching the movie, understanding because they really show that perspective and then doing like my own, like watching news clips from the time, watching the stories from the time I'm thinking, I was thinking for the first time, like, okay, when I feel endangered or when I feel like my rights are being violated or I'm not safe, I go to the police. That's what I've always been taught to do. I go to the police and you know, they, they bring justice. So then I'm watching the movie. I'm re- I'm watching and reading some of this stuff. And I told my wife, I said, Look, the the Rodney King riots were not a good thing. Like it was a bad. There was a lot of horrible, horrible things that happened at that time. But I said you also have to look and say, if you spend decades and centuries of your family throughout history has not been able to go to the law for justice, what do you do to make your voice heard? And I told her, I said, I don't think that that is the right answer. But I, if I was sitting in their shoes. I don't know what my response would be. Like, I'm not going to fault them for the answer. That's exactly. That's I'm, I'm, I, I may not agree with their answer, but I'm also not going to fault that. And I'm going to get so much hate on this episode. I already know there's certain topics <laughs> where we, there's certain, I, I said this during the, the episode on race. I know that there's issues like this that people do not agree on. And again, people are going to, even though I just gave the context, I did a seven minute disclaimer the last time I talked about this and people still were like, misinterpreted what I said. So don't misinterpret me as saying it's right to do that. It's a right to like, I've had people reach out that say like, man, you know, I, you know, I, I wish that place would burn to the ground, you know, like big statements like that about churches and look, don't go burn a church to the ground. Like I'm not for that. I'm not endorsing that. I think that's terrible, but what is it eliciting that violent, a reaction? And there's, it's not, it's not just a thing that you wake up one day and say like, Oh, I hate the church and I hate this. Like it's an experience that you well, had. It, it, it's they, they kneeled in silence in protest and we did what we shamed them for it. Yeah. And this country got divided over it. What, yeah. what is it that you want them to do that you're going to actually sit down at the table and lay aside all of your preconceived notions Come to it with an open heart and an open mind and listen to their life experiences. Mm. And I'm telling you right now, I've got a, I've got a man in my life that uh, African-American man. He's uh, um, 
you know, very well known in the basketball world and he's mentored me in my refereeing um, career. I LeBron, J- LeBron James. He's a, he's a <laughs> no, good friends no. with LeBron James. <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, I just, I, you know, um, the position he's in, I just don't want no, 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 to I know, jeopardize I know. anything for him, but he, it, we've developed such a relationship and a friendship over the years. I almost look at him as a father figure. Uh, Cause right now my father is not a part of my life, but mm. You know, he's been a father figure and I'm telling him, I'm telling you right now, I've heard stories of him and what his son goes through and what other people and then being around other, you know, African-American people and listen, their story. And these are successful people and listening to their stories changed my perspective because who am I to have such a strong opinion on something that I know nothing about or very little about and what I do know is coming from the IFB mentality, the Christian mentality of the caste system, their bus kids. Isn't that how, isn't that how we're talking? It's the the inner city kids. Yeah. Yes. And so, but they're still God's children and they're, I am no better than they are. They're no better Mm -hmm. than I am. We are all, and we're all in this together. And I, I, it just still dumbfounds me. And I ask this question all the time. Would you want to trade places with them and walk down the street? And get harassed like they do. The answer is always going to be no. Yeah. Well, then why are we not speaking yeah. out about it? Because we we know we know deep down inside, we have irrefutable evidence all of this that has happened. But and I think I think we're on point here still because it's yet another no, it's, it's, part it's of society that it's, is abused right. and doesn't have a voice. And so here we are in that power authority or that power position telling them what they should be doing, what they can't do, what they, you know, this is how you should act. Wait a minute. Who are we? Yeah. Who are we to have those kinds of opinions? And, you know, anyways, no, um, but but that's exactly, I I, I feel, yeah, I feel super in sync with what you're saying. Like I, I, this is the kind of stuff. My only plea on that. Discuss the why. Discuss the why. And like, Sit there and think to yourself, like, again, that, that's a perfect example that you brought up. And I love that you're connecting these two things. I do think the reaction of people to this situation into the anger and outrage about abuse has been very similar is the mm-hmm. idea that, okay, you said the example and I love the clip. There's a, there's a clip that went around a long time ago. I don't know who the lady is. I don't know if I agree with her on anything else, but she just says that question, like, if you're sitting here and you would trade places with an African-American person that, you know, stand raise up. your hand. Yeah. Stay or stand up. Yep. Nobody stands up. I watched up, that last night. You know? I watched that last yeah. night. Yeah. And, and that's so true. And, and I would, I would change the question for this. If you're an IFB pastor, would you trade places with your wife? If you're a college student at an IFB, an IFB school, would you want to be a girl at an IFB college? Because what are your options? Like, your options as a woman in the IFB is to be quiet. It's to go like, if you go to Hiles Anderson, I think it's Hiles Anderson. Like I know there's several like this. There's classes for like how to do crockpot meals and how to be a secretary and how, like how degrading is it that your future you going, going to college to learn how to be a maid and a cook for a preacher boy. Like that's such a, Again, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing. My yeah. wife, my wife loves, yeah. you know, working with our daughter and like, she loves, you know, she loves 
being a house, like she loves being a housewife. She'll say it. She's like, I love getting to take care of my family. But if she said tomorrow, I want to go do this. She has my support to do that. But there's so many women in the IFB and I hear their stories every single day of, I didn't have any options at all in the IFB. I didn't have any options of what to wear, what to say, who I wanted to marry in some cases. Like, it, it's it's crazy to me. So and it boils and, like, and it festers right. inside of them for how many years? Right, and then Just when like they do doing... get upset, which is normal, yeah. they <laughs> say, "Oh, your wife is bitter." Yes, like like, yeah. and again, it's the same or thing. They like, get out of the movement and they have the reaction that you're talking about earlier. Uh, burning out. I'm telling you right now, after dealing with my sister and her sexual abuse, man, I I I've had thoughts of wanting to burn down some churches you know right i couldn't imagine what because she was kept quiet for a decade yeah. and it's just all built up in there and then when you're allowed to let it out and especially for females i'm sure it's you know a lot more emotional uh when you do get to let it out man it's going to come out with a fury it's going to come out with and here's the one thing i would you 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 said it in a, in a true my mind um a thought i really want to get out there to yeah family around the victims you don't have to agree with them Mm. to support them and i'll say it again you don't have to agree with how they do things yeah to in order to support them we can support them with with, and still disagree with them and it is so important that as family as friends that are surround that surround these victims to understand there are things that my sister did that I don't agree with, but she has 100% my support because I support her and her story. And for some reason in the IFB world, we, we can't, the two have to be together. If you have to do what I agree with in order to gain my support, that's, that's an abusive relationship. <laughs> Bingo. That's Bingo. That's the that's the definition we're per- of abuse. We're we're, perpo- we're 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 keeping the abuse going long after the abuse has happened. Yeah. By doing those types of things. Bro, uh, by silencing them, by telling them they can't tell their story or you know, we are perpetuating the abuse long after the yeah. abuse has happened. And yeah. that's the problem I have with the IFB world, the problem with people that want to silence or, um, you know, go after the character of, mm-hmm. of a woman. Oh, well, and, and you know what, Eric, why is it always the woman when, a, when, a, when you got a boy and a girl in having sex before marriage? Why is it always the girl, the woman sent to the boarding school? To the and temptress, the guy, bro. The guy, I, right. oh my gosh i'm just yeah. i was talking about this with some of my friends that grew up with the Fairhaven. you know the other day about i was like i don't understand like but it comes back to the objectifying and it comes back to well they were the ones that tempted the man to sin well yeah. why aren't we talking about the man just yeah. as much as we are you know but it's an easy scapegoat it's an easy oh get rid of the problem yeah. ship them off you know and yeah. now and then the labeling comes in and now they're a dragon society. Yeah. And how does that make them feel? Yeah, man, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And, and I'll, I say that I, I already said it, but I, but it's, it's blows my mind. Um, when I have people on like, look, 
I'm still in many ways an Orthodox Christian. And I would say, mm-hmm. theologically, I'm probably more Orthodox as far as church history than IFB churches are. And even though I know they would disagree with me on that, I would say I'm probably closer to what historical Christianity looks like on a theological level. But what I will say is this, like it blows my mind when I have someone on who's an atheist or when I have someone on who has any belief system outside of traditional IFB theology, I get people saying, that's a bridge too far. I'm unsubscribing. I'm not watching the show. I'm not going to listen to it. Um, I can't like one guy left a review. It said, guess question mark. And it said, as a pastor, I was listening to the show until you decided to have, um, I think that was one. He said, until you decide to have a trans guest on. And it's like, so because you disagree with their sexual orientation, their entire story is completely discredited in your mind. Like, Yep. Maybe that's why your churches are dying and shrinking. It, <laughs> Maybe. It, that's that's what I that's what I said at the top of the Bro, podcast. You, you have it, me seriously. I'm in my uh, Young Turks, Alex Jones, uh, Rush Limbaugh <laughs> mode. I, you pushed all the right buttons it's, it's, today. It's exactly what I said uh, at the top of the thing, where they can't argue or debate or discuss. So yeah. they've got to discredit you somehow. So they're going to attack. Oh, well, he's divorced or, oh, well, he's, he listens to that type of music or he has a trans guy. Like, so that takes away from what the person is saying and goes back to what I said before. You're focused on the what and not on the why. And until we can move off of the what and we can learn some things, yeah. you know what there, I'm not going to. I don't even agree with myself a hundred percent of the time. How the heck am I supposed to expect other people to agree with me? You know, it's like, but I can, I, two ears, one mouth for a reason. Let's listen twice as much as we speak. And coming from somebody that, you know, shoots from the hip a lot of times, (laughs) Um, it's something that I'm trying to work on, but let's, let's, let's let's just try to glean something instead of going, Oh, I'm not going to, Hey, let's listen to it. And maybe they got a point or two that I can take and I can reflect on and mull over and be a better person for it instead of, Oh, well they got nothing good to say because they're whatever sexual orientation. Last I checked, the Bible didn't really discriminate against sins. So, you know, (laughs) if, if, if you're gonna, you know, he he put the liars right next to the murderers, you know, in, in, in the Bible. So you want to gloss over certain things. Let's, go back and read those and put them in proper context. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. I, I, I think the, the big takeaway being the what versus why kind of conversation, I think that is huge. And like, I, again, I think, man, I think the reason that we can talk like this is I feel like we share a lot of personality traits as far as how we talk about things. And I, man, I relate to shooting from the hip. Like there's been things I've even done, you know, doing this show that I've said flippantly or like, you know, I fall into sometimes, you know, I take, uh, well, let me, yeah, I love getting context because I know people are going to dump steaming piles of hate on me. Um, (laughs) But, but what I will say is this, I take this topic very seriously and I, I don't think I should have to say that. I take this topic very, very seriously. I know people who've been affected by it. I've seen churches cover it up firsthand. It, it makes me sick to my stomach when I sit there and think about it. And the way that I cope with a lot of that stuff is by joking about certain things. Like I joke about situations that make me super uncomfortable. And so I joke a lot. So there's times that I'm, I'm super sarcastic through my preacher boys, Twitter account where I shouldn't be as sarcastic as I am, or there's times where I respond curtly in ways that I probably shouldn't. But you know what? Like there's also this thing of like, 
if we want to talk bitterness or anger, like I, I don't describe myself as bitter. And I honestly think I can say that truthfully. I don't find myself being bitter, but I am angry. And I always see IFB pastors get up and talk about compromise and talk about Bible colleges and talk about fill in all the millions of issues we've mentioned that get screamed about at every conference you go to. But then I sit there and think like they call that righteous anger. But the one topic that I think people should have righteous anger about is getting swept under the rug. And so what I'm not going to do and what I'm going to say now to anybody who's watching this and man, you really have pushed my buttons today. So I might have to stay away from my (laughs) Twitter today. No, but but the one thing I am going to say is I'm not going to sit here and say, I feel really bad. I I feel really bad that I hurt a pastor's feelings for calling out abuse. If me calling out abuse hurts your feelings, hurts your church, hurts your ministry, or hurts your faith, then you have a really weak ministry, really weak faith, and you've got some questions to ask yourself about why this topic is the one that really stirs you up. Because it should make you really upset that this is happening in your church or your ministry. They don't like a taste of their own medicine. Have we not seen this during this right. COVID-19 thing <laughs> right. where yeah. uh, this whole pandemic of they're being told by a, a, a superior power what to do mm-hmm. and that they couldn't meet and they're given directives by the government? And how many of those IFB pastors did not like a single solitary element of it and took to the pulpit and took to their Twitter and took to their social media platforms and bashed the government? And turned around and did the same exact thing <laughs> to their crying, people. Crying out for li- liberty. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. And I think I, I think I think I put it on your preacher boy yeah, thing yeah. as you know, kind of like a humorous thing of they didn't like a taste of their own medicine. Yeah. And yeah. in this th- th- when they do it, it's righteous anger. When we yeah. do it, it's bitterness. It's right. you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, aren't we doing the aren't we doing the same things? Aren't we aren't we crying out and trying to give a voice mm-hmm. to those that you've cast aside? And that's why I said at the end of the last podcast, they check the boxes more of Pharisee than they do Christianity. And that's the sad part of where we're at. I don't care. I've said this over and over and over again, and I don't. There are there are pages and accounts and things that that make fun of. Look, there's a lot of silly stuff. That I could talk about in the IFB. There's a lot of, I've, I've talked to my dad. My dad still works. He, he's going to hate that. I give him a shout out. My dad, my dad still works in the IFB. I have a great relationship with my dad, great relationship with my mom. Like openly, they know what I'm doing. We talk about it. They disagree with some phrasing of things that I say, but they understand what I'm talking about. They see the issues I'm talking about. But what I will say is this with the IFB. I don't devote my time. I think there's time and a place. I think stuff fundies like, I think all of these, you know, IFB sermon clips. Like I talked to the guy that runs that pretty odd or girl. I don't know. Cause he's not, but um, I honest, <laughs> and I honestly have no idea who it is. I've tried to get them to say, but I've, um, I've been talking to him too. So I keep saying, so, um, like I'll say something and they'll say a location. I'm like, so you live near there? <laughs> I'm trying to get closer, <laughs> but, um, but no, like I think there's a time and a place for the, the funny yes. memes and stuff, but like I've stayed away from that stuff because honestly, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter to me if you want to wear a suit, if you want to go to church three times a week. I think that's excessive to have to drag your kid three times. I don't like I don't know how people do it one time sometimes. Um, I think going if you want to go Saturday and knock on doors, like a little weird. I don't think a lot of people culturally like that now. But again, I don't care if you do that. I don't care if you use an organ. I don't care if you don't want to use a guitar. I don't care. All of that stuff does not matter to me. Be as IFB as you want. 
but take a stand on abuse. And again, going into the why, why is it happening over and over and over again? And if you're not willing to have a conversation with yourself and say, you know, hey, is it something that I'm preaching that opens up an environment like this? Is it the way that we view women that's leading to abuse? Is it the way that we're teaching parents to talk about their kids? Like, if you're not going to sit there and have that conversation with yourself, like, you shouldn't be pastoring a church of people who are vulnerable to abuse. That's just not, like, that's where I draw the line. Yeah, the IFB churches are the perfect breeding ground for molesters and for people that want to come in because or, or abuse the, of the, any kind. <laughs> any, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I pigeonholed it to that, but any abuse of any kind, it's a perfect breeding grounds because they're going to, they're, they're more worried about, you know, what the outside world is going to think of their church. So they're not yeah. going to be vocal about it. They're not going to, you know, take a strong stand. They're not talking about it. Um, you know, and they, it's, it's the perfect scenario for them. And that's why we're having such, because it's, it's, um, it's like, uh, um, you know, for every one that comes to the surface, there's 10 more that haven't seen the light of day. Yeah. And so that number, at least. that percentage, <laughs> right. at least that percentage that you mentioned earlier, that's scratching the surface. Well, that's the tip of the iceberg. What yeah. about all those that haven't come out yet? Yeah. And well, it happened to. Dude, the, the story, um, the story that, or the stat, I guess that blew my mind was, um, on Kelly, um, Palfi's episode, Dr. Dr. Kelly Palfi. Um, and, and she talked about the fact that when they sat down with, you know, a ton of different, um, I forget what the, I think it was like 400 and it's like four, you could buy her book men too, and you can, you can read it, but it was 400 plus, uh, abusers. They sat down with child molesters and on average, they had 150 victims each. And like, I, I sat there and told her, like I said on the interview, cause I had read the book and like in my brain, I read it as one guy had 150 victims. And so on the show, you can hear me like literally I said, yeah. And it's crazy. Like one guy had as many as 150 victims. She said, no, not one guy, the average. And like when she said that it was like, I started thinking and I was like, okay, so for every case that's not been reported for 20 years, 30 years, or, you know, how many victims could some of these guys have? How many, for every, every time that a pastor moves someone to another church, how many new victims are they taking on? And again, maybe there are some cases where it's just the one, but I find it really hard to believe that someone does something that drastically evil and then never does it again, or it's a one-off or it's a, it's a, it gets treated like it's an oops thing. Like yeah. with David Hiles, like the dude did stuff in every church he was at and it was always, oops, yeah. let's try a different place. Oops. Yeah. Let's try a different place. And it's like, no, it's not an oops. It's like, that's the definition of systemic abuse is moving people mm-hmm. around, expecting a different result and allowing other people to be endangered by an abuser. That's the biggest argument that I have with the church that I grew up in. And again, this is the stuff where like, this is the stuff where when people say I'm doing this for any other reason that I'm upset about it is like, I don't want to talk about the church I grew up in because that's where I'm going to get the most hate. Every time I get a message from someone from there saying, Hey, I'd love to catch up or I'd like to talk to you about your show. It's no, it's, it's, that's scary for me. Like, and you know, but here's what I will say. The guy that first burst my bubble that abuse can happen in churches 
is still starting off the live streams at the church I grew up in. He's still leading the music at the church I grew up in. And I don't understand. I'll never understand. I love my parents. I have utmost respect for them. They, but I never understand how you stay at a church that platforms an abuser in a public way. I don't understand. And and again, I'll I'll say that to their face. I say it every time that I go down and see them. I say that all the time. I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast or because I built a wall around myself and like, that is a real thing that needs to be addressed. And you should be able to ask people that. Well, and and, (laughs) no, absolutely. I'm right there with you because I I've been going through the last few years with my sister and I, I don't think we have, you know, a ton of time to delve into it, but I will say this. My sister's abuser uh, is the children's church pastor. Like how in the world, and the pastor has known for a decade, denied the fact that he was called the children's church pastor, denied it all over the place. No, it's not true. It's not true. And then when my sister's, um, you know, case got dropped, first live stream after the case got dropped, looks right in the camera and says, our children's church pastor, and then introduces, you know, the abuser. I mean, and, and what, what goes into, he didn't, you know, and, and oh, by the way, let's not, let's not forget to mention that in all of these States, you pastors are mandated reporters. Yeah. Yeah. Legally. Let's not forget Even if that. you don't legally, have any moral credibility, your legal responsibility, you are legally obligated when you know you are supposed to report it. And you know, he's my, you know, my sister and, you know, that whole situation. Nope. He, he knew. And he's like, well, he's reformed now. <sighs> oh, okay. He's reformed. <laughs> okay. Um, why are you putting him in charge of children? If, and if, that was my question to him. Why are you putting him in charge of right. children? If, if, if he did it to a child, if a, if a church, I've said this before, if a church treasurer was stealing money, restore them. You're never going to put them in charge of money again. Yeah. That's going to be a boundary you set. And every pastor watching this, I know that there's people watching this. I know you would say, if I just totally isolated from the show, someone said, Hey, um, my treasure was stealing money, but you know, they've, they've repented, they've confessed, you know, we're working with them. Um, we're thinking about putting them in charge of all of our finances again. Every pastor would say, I don't think that's a wise decision. That's a, at, at, at the kindest, most charitable way they would say it. I don't think that's a wise decision. They'd probably say it's a stupid decision. If I say to a pastor and say, man, he was at another church, abused a child, and he's really, you know, he's, he's done some counseling. We're ready to put him back. Why is there not that same pushback to say, maybe it's not smart to have him at your high school football game or at your preschooler, you know, event or filming at youth activities or a, B, C, D, E, F, G, like all these different things. How come it's like, oh, they're restored. Let's put them back. It doesn't make any, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me that you would do that because you wouldn't do it in any other area of your church. There's no other thing that I can imagine where that gets brushed off so easily and quickly. Well, and this is, this is where they're losing a lot of credibility from you, myself, you know, a lot of people out there that are leaving in mass roses because you, when you're so vocal about everything and have to have an opinion on everything, you set yourself up for a hypocritical stance because there's going to come a point in time like you're talking about where you're going to have a chance to step up, but it doesn't suit your narrative or it doesn't 
uh, it's going to fly in the face of what you've been saying all along. No. So you're just going to go silent on it. And I'm going to say it again. Silence condones abuse. Silence and not preaching out about it, whether it's abusive relationships you know, within a marriage, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's the abuse to minorities, whatever it is in society, we, if we don't get out there and aren't vocal about it and saying this is wrong and giving a voice to those that are not being heard, then we are condoning it. Right. And that is my challenge to all the pastors. And don't get up on Sunday morning and I don't want to hear all of your pro-life uh, stances when it comes to abortions if you're not going to be pro-life when it comes to minorities in this country. So if you're not <laughs> going to start preaching yeah. against all the uh, sins equally, yeah. then you need to step down from the pulpit, your bully pulpit, and you need to start educating yourself and learning about yeah. all this and start right. having discussions, not debates. We do way too much debates, discussions, and have, I challenge the pastors, go out and find a, a you know, some, some minorities to come in and talk about racism. Don't talk about it yourself. Have mm. some minorities come in and talk about racism. Have uh, sexual abuse victims come in and talk about what they've yeah, that'd gone be huge. through. Yeah. That we're, we would start seeing a change, drastic yeah. change. I don't think they want change, to be honest with you, Eric. I think it's just easier for them to be lazy and go, you know what? The issue isn't touching me. I'm not going to discuss. I'm going to be silent. But hey, I'm going to hit the DMs of the guy who uh, is doing it in support. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That's coward. I mean, I'll just wrap up by saying, you know, and again, we could talk for hours and I, next time in California, I think we just got to get together in person if all this stuff is passed. And, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but I'll just say this, if you're going to just sit there and you said it, silence is a vote for the abuser. If you're going to sit there and watch and like support from afar or, or make, if you're a pastor and you're going to, even if, even this, if you're a pastor and you're going to get up in front of your congregation and blast on everybody about there being pedophiles in other churches, but you're not going to take a stand for a specific victim and you're not going to specifically give a platform for people to speak out, you're still being complicit in abuse. I'm seeing, I'm seeing pastors, I'm seeing these podcasts, I'm seeing people tweet, I'm seeing all this stuff where they're going out and saying, I adamantly oppose child abuse. But then when it comes time for an actual victim to speak out and they need the support of someone who's in that world, I don't see them saying, hey, here's a here's a tweet on behalf of this person. Here's a live video with this abuser. Here's a podcast about abuse victims from a pastoral perspective. I don't see any of that stuff happening. All of it is is grandstanding and saving face about their ministry, saying, also, yeah, I stand against racism, abuse, um, women being you know objectified, all that stuff. But in practice, you're doing all the exact same stuff, and you're being a coward. You don't want to call out the people who are in your sphere of influence. You don't want to call out the people who were your mentors. Look, there's a way to do it. And if you calling out abuse again, 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 if you calling out abuse hurts your church, hurts the people you affiliate with, hurts the pastors that you respect and look up to find different people to look up to and respect. Like if, if that's the issue that you're worried about, you're in the wrong movement. And if you think that taking a stand about abuse is going to mean you're not invited to speak at Jack Treber's church, for a conference, maybe that tells you something. 
Like check maybe your, that check your Christianity. Go back exactly. and reread the Bible. Where did Jesus go when he hit a city? It wasn't the synagogue. Right. It was the abused victims that he went and ministered to. And isn't that what a real pastor, a real clergyman is supposed to do is get into the, you know, get down with these victims right. and help them up and get into the mud with them. Yeah. Instead, we just push their head further down so that we don't have to do it. And it's you, you said it very beautifully. And I will just add to, you know, what you said is that they want to feel good about themselves and convince themselves that they are taking a stand and that they are against racism by just vocally saying, I'm against it. That doesn't mean it. And aren't these the same people who get up and say, actions speak louder than words? <laughs> right. Well, here, this is your chance. This is your opportunity in society with all these current event issues to take a step back, to start, stop trying to point out the what and discuss the why. Mm. And I think... No. Our churches would be better for it. Our people would be better for it. We would start seeing changes, and we, our country would be way better off. It doesn't, it's not, and I, you know, I've said this before, history is written by the conquerors. History is written by those who conquered, and they're going to gloss over yeah. the things, the, how they did it. Yeah. Us admitting there's racism isn't going to make us any less of a country. Us admitting racism is not is not going to take away from and making and wanting to make a change is not going to take away from the hard work that I do for my family and our ancestors have mm-hmm. done. It doesn't take away from any of that. For some reason, we feel like if we admit there's racism, well, then, you know, it takes away the glimmer of this great country. No, this, this is a great country. Mm-hmm. This is an awesome country. This is a country that is unlike any other in history. Yeah. But we still have to address the scars and discuss Talk, the scars. And until we yeah. can do that, we're going to repeat this cycle. Well, talk about, I mean, talking about that, I mean, it's talking about the bad does not negate any of the good. Like right. it does, it does not. The fact that you're unwilling to talk about the bad makes everything else come into question. You it know, there's a, there's a great, um, there's a, there's a really great um, song again, I, I don't know why rap is coming up uh, in this conversation, but I love, um, um, I love this. Right. There's a, there's a, there's a rapper named propaganda and he, um, he's, his songs are made like ch- check him out. He's, he's, it's awesome. I wish I could just plug him into the show and just play a couple songs, but um, he has a song called precious Puritans. And he basically, the song is about um, it's about, reformed it's not even about ifb it's about ifb rap would be awesome but uh but it's about (laughs) it's about reformed pastors always quoting the puritans as like they were the godliest of people and he he talks about from an african-american perspective sitting in or any minority's perspective sitting into a sitting in a pew and hearing a pastor lovingly quote puritans when he's thinking back and saying like these were people that said that you could own people you know, he talks about like, why didn't the, the amazing insights that they received directly from God tell them you can't own people, you know? And at the end, of, at the very end of the song, he, he has a lyric, which I think is so, I think it, it kind of speaks to exactly this. And it's, you know, he's, he basically says, I guess God really can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And so look, every church, every organization, every person is going to have problems and that doesn't mean that everything in the entire thing should be shut down, should be, it means look at where things are a little crooked 
<laughs> look at the things that have been done and look at what you've done in spite of those things, but address those issues. Like it doesn't mean that when someone calls out abuse in the church, like I have people who listen to the show who are hardcore IFB in every way, except for this area. And they, you know, I think there are some things in IFB the- theology that lend themselves to this kind of stuff. But again, you have to look back, like you just have to look at it and say like, why are we not going to address this issue? Like, if- well, isn't it, isn't it, isn't it the very definition of being a better person? Yeah. Isn't that right. what we have to do in order to be better is stop dwelling on everything that we do is good and identify our weaknesses and yeah. work on those weaknesses. Isn't that the very definition of being better? So if you want a better church, if you want to better be a better person, a better pastor, a better, you know, a uh, member of society, that's, that's aren't being we, a aren't Christian. We supposed to, yeah. Aren't we supposed to identify our weaknesses and work on them? Right. That's, I mean, that's being a Christian. Like it's, it's, it's yes. renewing, renewing your mind daily. Like what are the thought processes that are getting me into trouble? What are the ways of believing that are getting me in trouble? And it's, yeah. I mean, again, we could talk about this forever, but I really do just want people to sit there and think like, why is this the issue? And I know, look, I know the the number of downloads the show gets versus the number of people who interact with public comments. I know there's a lot of people in the IP that listen to the show. Like, I see you. I, I can. I know you're there. So, like, just please. I'm not asking you to stop wearing suits and listen to Chris Tomlin and like whatever. I don't care. Um, I don't listen to Chris Tomlin. I listen to rap. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm not asking you to do that stuff. But what I am asking is, look and ask why is this the issue that pastors are silent? Like, that's the that's the big takeaway. Is like why is this the issue? Why is it that you, what's crazy is like me, I'm joking about the rap thing. Like I'm not joking about loving it. I do love it, but I'm joking about bringing it up like that. But what's crazy to me is there's pastors who would use that to discredit what I'm saying about abuse. Yep. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I know that for a fact, like there's people who would say, well, like, well, he listens to this music that glorifies this, this, and this. And it's like, honestly, I don't even listen to the words most of the time. I just like a sick beat when I drive down the road, but it's like, <laughs> but, but it's really is like, it's crazy that that's something that people could use to discredit. You know yeah. what I mean? But anyway, yep. I, I, I'm sorry that we have to end another one of these. Cause I could like, seriously, we could do like a 24 hour telethon with one of these conversations, but um, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your perspective. And seriously, we need to get together in person and oh, uh, set aside like a, a weekend retreat to just talk. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing and um, you know, I, I just appreciate the perspectives. I think it is, I think you're bringing up a lot of really relevant stuff. And I think it does speak to kind of the nature of, you know, suppressing the voices of those who are, you know, considered less than. Um, Absolutely. So, I, so awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, guys definitely connect with the preach boys discussion group on Facebook. Like I know Michael's in there. I'm in there. Um, you know, let's discuss things, talk about this stuff. And again, like if you're, I'll just say this again, if you're in the IFB world and you're like, have a, you have a concern about how things are being addressed or you disagree, like send me a message. Like I've hopped on the phone with people and I won't say their names. Cause I've had people reach out and say, don't say my name. Like I go to IFB college or this, like just give like, give me a call. Like I'm more than happy to dialogue with you. Like if you're an IFB pastor and you think that I'm just like trying to destroy you, like let's cop on the phone and actually talk about it. Like, I'll like, I'll gladly do that. 
You know, like shoot, shoot me, shoot me a message. We'll get on the calendar. We'll talk about it and we can discuss it because I do see this as a huge issue. I'm not going after you for any other reason. I'm not even going after you. If you feel like I'm going after you, then ask why you feel <laughs> like, why is this the thing where it makes you feel so attacked? Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I know like in the group, there's plenty of people who'd be willing to share their perspectives as well, but Anyway, I, I appreciate you talking about this. I'm really excited to put this episode out and also terrified because I know there's going to be a lot of people who, um, <laughs> you know, are going to be upset about a lot of different things. But I think it's well, a good we got to convers- be uncomfortable in order to make change. Right, right. Amen. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, thanks again for doing that and for coming on for a second episode and maybe someday a third. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but I really do like, there's certain people I talk to that I just feel like, you know, that instant, like our minds connected. Um, and I feel that way definitely when we talk. So, so I appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah. Love to do it again. Thanks, Eric. Cool. Awesome. Oh, man. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.